Hey, welcome into the Coach Bo Knows Podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recording live at the O'Connor Advisor Group Studios. You can check out all things O'Connor Advisor Group at OAGKS.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at Coach Bo Knows Show. Check out the Facebook page. Just search for Coach Bo Knows Show. You'll find it there. We always share some interesting items, items there as well. And you can email us anytime at Show at gmail.com. This is episode 70, and usually on the point five pod is when I'm joined by our wonderful co-host, but today we're only doing one episode this week, and so today I'm joined by the legal counsel of the Coach Bono's podcast, the token girl. She has great legs, but an even greater mind, my co-host, Ellen Wiginter. E, how you doing today? Good, Bo. It's been a minute. Yeah, we've been off for a couple of weeks uh, with some great advice. I'm going to shout you out on this real quick, talk about this. You know me, I'm pretty wide open. It's a couple of weeks off because one, I've been slammed with work. It's just been a, a weird time with work. We've been slammed, and I want to make sure we're doing the right thing for clients. But then also, I was just stressing out, and the podcast, unfortunately, was part of the stress. It was okay. trying to hit a couple of deadlines. So you and I talked about it. You had some great advice for me. It was like, hey, it's supposed to be fun, not a job. Yeah. And takes time off. And so I called Tyler Jones. You know, he runs the studio soapbox and he said the same thing. Take as much time as you need. So we're going to be a little more sporadic with things over the next few weeks. There probably won't be a lot of 0.5 pods. It'll be you and me. I know we're going to have Uncle Rico for a show coming up in a couple of weeks to do NFL draft as we get closer to the draft. Sure. He money is coming in to do an NBA playoff preview, right? We're going to. We're trying to decide if we're going to do it before the play-in tournament or after. I don't know how we'll do that yet. I think we might do it after and just do a segment before for the play-in tournament. And then um, next week, he and I are going to do a WrestleMania recap. All right. WrestleMania is this weekend, and we're going to wait till after WrestleMania and the Monday Night Raw after, because that's always an important show. So we're going to hit all that. But as we always do, if we do cover wrestling stuff, it's its own pod. We don't put a filter that in because some folks like it and some don't, and we don't want to waste time for those who don't. So sure. you can always do that differently. And there's some exciting stuff going on back at the old studio soapbox as well. So we'll have some more announcements on stuff like that as we move forward. Um, so there's if you've been wondering where we've been, it's totally on me, but I had to take some time for me because, well, it is what it is. In the meantime, I've still been doing Tyler Jones' podcast. If you haven't been listening, the Jones Report, anywhere you pick us up. Tyler's got something exciting. You know, he's covering the uh, Final Four this weekend. Yeah, he's down in Houston. He's down in Houston. He's uh, working with TJ Reeves, also another great host here on Studio Soapbox. And they are actually working with the TuneIn app. So if you have the TuneIn app, you're going to get live coverage from Tyler and TJ all weekend through there. He's got some exciting stuff. Check out his podcast as well. Uh, I'm still going on doing the football fix weekly, and uh, they're doing some more NASCAR stuff. And then TJ Reeves and I might be working on a project together. We'll see. Look at you. Yeah, we'll see. That that's that's a few more months out, but we're looking at some ideas. Okay. It might be another podcast being added to the podcast network. <laughs> awesome. It won't be weekly. I'll say that. <laughs> I can't I can't make this much time. Hey man, I listen, this is for everyone who is bothered to listen to us as you close out every podcast. Your time tokens are non-refundable. So yeah. 
I'm glad that you took some time off, had a little, a little time to yourself, recharged a little bit and you know what? We'll just keep cruising. Whatever works, works. And that's how it goes. So I appreciate that. You're, you're so sweetheart and you're a great co-host, but even better, you're a great friend. I appreciate that. So, oh, you got all kind of got all googly. You had a chill go down your back when I said that. Gonna make me blush. Uh, <laughs> okay, since we last chatted, though, boy, a lot of shit has gone down. Yeah. And so we're going to um, hit as many things as possible, but I also don't want to be here for four hours. So uh, I'm going to start with what's kind of in front of us. Now we're recording this Friday. Um, with in, in the little behind us is how the sausage is made. I edit everything. I put it all together, hand it off to Tyler. He uploads it. And sometimes those things get a day behind, especially when he's traveling. Sure. So you may not be hearing this till Saturday or Sunday, maybe even Monday. So we're going to talk about the final four and the women's final four. Uh, but by the time you hear this, some of it may be completed, but we're going to talk yeah. about it anyway. So either we'll be good and you'll realize, oh man, they were really smart or <laughs> Here's Coach Bo's full shit again. Um, I want to talk about the men's final four first, uh, okay. just because this has been a strange tournament, and we have not talked a lot about this. Let me ask you something. How's your bracket? Um, I mean, my bracket was fucked after the first weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think most people were. Um, I only did two brackets. I had one with KU winning. Um, and I had another with Alabama winning. And so I haven't even bothered to look at them just because it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, Unless somebody says, yeah, I won money, then I'm just like, cool. Yeah, it's fine. I was watching. It was so funny those first couple of days because the big upsets the first couple of days didn't really hurt me. Like, I had Purdue losing in the second round, and I had a couple other things. I was like, oh, these aren't killing me. Well, they're killing everybody else. Even Kansas losing. Yeah. I was like, well, I had them losing in the final eight, so I was good there. Yeah, but um, then I lost two final four teams back-to-back with Marquette and UCLA. I ended up not having any of the final four, which I've never done. I've always got at least one. And then in the typical non-typical bow factor, I went 0 for 8 in the elite eight. Okay. I didn't get any of them. I had a little more chalk than most people, but unbelievable. And there was two teams coming into this tournament that I said, I really like these two teams. But when I made my bracket, I only made one. I don't jump around. I just do one bracket. And I put that same bracket in all the contests I'm in. I, there was two teams I really liked. And I said, but when I made my bracket, they both ran into the two teams that I liked the most overall. Oh, okay. Which was the time it was Alabama, or I'm sorry, uh, it was Houston and UCLA. Okay. Those two teams that I liked really highly were San Diego State and Miami. Yeah. And they're in the final four. Yeah, no. I was like, I love these two. I love how they played all season long. I just had them run into the wild ball, the two hottest teams in the tournament. And I was like, then I got to get past them. And then he did. Yeah. I mean, I think I felt much more secure about Miami continuing to play forward. San, San Diego State is the first uh, Mountain West team to ever 
get out of the first round of the tournament, yeah. uh, which is crazy to say. Granted, the conference has only been around for 20, 25 years, but still, uh, they had multiple teams last year and this year. And uh, it's fascinating to watch them play. I don't shade them. Their defensive strategy is so crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's what happened to K-State, right? They just got sucked in by... Yeah. San, San Diego State's the best defensive team in the country. Yeah, it's insane. And I've watched a lot of that... Uh, West Coast stuff, West Coast Conference, and a lot of the, in, in the big the Mountain West and everything this season. I watched a lot of those games and was like, this team can play with anybody. What I really, I wanted to ask you this. One thing that, you know, you when you're a fan of a team, really what you really want, you want to see your team win, but the odds of winning the 64-team, you know, tournament are hard. You know, yeah. the next step possible to win that six games in a row. So what you really want your team to play to their seat. If you're a one, get to the final four. If you're a five, you know, get to the sweet 16. We got two fives, a four, and a nine. And uh, I hope no one's sleeping on Florida Atlantic because they've been ranked half the damn season and should never have been a nine seed. I think we've seen it. Yeah. So them and San Diego State's going to be a fun game. Um, But I look at this and I go, okay, are the – is is it is it an issue where we've got too many teams that we're giving higher seeds to strong conferences and not giving higher seeds to teams that really showed throughout the season they could play? Miami showed all season they were very good. I thought they were the best team in the ACC all year round. There was no game that they played in where I went, oh, they're going to get outclassed. And they took it to everybody. They didn't win their they didn't win their conference title. They didn't, and they lost a couple of games in there. But they were as good or better than everyone else. And they get a five, which means that if you're looking at it as far as a, you know a top twenty-five kind of thing, you're saying, well, you're between the seventeenth and twentieth best team in the country. They really were a top ten team, if you ask me. I'm not sure about that because I'd have to go back and look at their non-con schedule. Um, I, I I can't fully rely on, on conference yeah. schedule. I mean, Big 12, this being the last season of what currently constitutes the Big 12, was the only conference, I believe, that played a true round robin, that everyone yeah. had a home, a, you know. A home in the yeah. And um, Miami had been good. And they had pieces from last year because they made it to the Sweet 16 or Elite 8 last year. And Larenaga, Hall of Fame coach, cool, fine, whatever. I wasn't super worried about them, but I think this is going to hold true at least for another couple years because of the transfer portal and the extra COVID year. I mean – yeah. Today, Hunter Dickinson from Michigan announced that he's entering the portal. Huge. I saw that too a few minutes ago. So there is going to yet be another two or three years where you get some very weird parity between yeah. the big five conferences and the mid-majors that kids just want to continue to play because they've got extra eligibility. They know that 
won't likely play in the NBA and they don't really know what the overseas options are. And they're taking advantage of it, especially with NIL. It's an added bonus for them. They can continue to generate money for themselves and their family. So I think it's probably until 2026, 2027, that you see that separation again between the mid-majors and the, the big five. And see, I, I wonder if moving forward, if we also just, we're going to see some of these mid-majors just be good. There's going to be good teams moving forward. Yeah. Uh, San Diego State, for example, uh, their coach has been on that staff for almost 10 years. Yeah. And he became, he was he was one of Steve Fisher's guys. Steve Fisher retired. He became the new head coach. That whole staff, every member of their staff has been on that staff for seven years or longer. Yeah. And they are an example. FAU is also an example of a team that went and picked up transfers and, you know, and, and you do have every player that got the extra COVID year. You brought up a spot on point of a lot of them didn't leave a year ago or two years ago, maybe during COVID, because there was maybe not any opportunities in Europe. Right. Because we didn't know what COVID restrictions are going to be. Now coming out, there'll be more of them. Well, some of them now the NIL, like you're saying, to your credit, I love that, is that they're, they're saying, well, hey, I can – 50 G's, you know, by giving lessons and doing some stuff locally there, get yeah. my degree and then go play in Europe and there'll still be some money and we'll have a clearer vision of what that is. Maybe someone plays their way into the G League, whatever right. it might be. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I just, and if you're super athletic and you can't get into the league, go play in Australia. <laughs> I mean, that is your secondary favorite basketball betting venue. Yeah, so. That's true. But yeah, it, it's, um, yeah, I'm just excited for these. Four. This is going to be, now we all love the tournament and we all love the upsets of the tournament, but we don't like that come the final four. We want someone in here to root for. You know, last year we had Kansas, North Carolina, and Duke, and the special story of Duke in their last year under Coach K in the final four. And the ratings were a bonanza because of because they were playing Carolina. I mean, yeah. And then, but now we've got San Diego State versus FAU Saturday at five o'clock here local time Central Time. Yep. Then Miami UConn around eight o'clock. This is going to be the worst rated Final Four in the last few years, don't you think? Absolutely, I would say probably maybe in the last twenty years, it's yeah, going to I mean, be shit ratings. It's going to be, I mean, and it's it's not because these four teams aren't good teams. It's because there's no one there to root for or against. Yep. Yeah, so I, I find that whole interesting, too. The billion dollars that the NCAA gets from CBS for this tournament, and they're going to get just absolutely crushed in ratings on on, on Saturday and Monday. It's going to yeah, be Yeah, it's... Um... It's interesting because the only real story that you can hang on to if you're just a casual basketball fan is you're like, all right, Danny Hurley coaches UConn, so I'm just going to hate UConn, even yeah. though they're they're the runaway favorite at this point to win. And then if you start digging in, you're like, oh, Dusty May just came on to FAU and he didn't know what he's walking into and walked into a shit show from a facility standpoint and they're changing all that because they are also changing conferences. And it's just kind of like, Oh, you know, Larry Nega is fun story. 
And that's yeah. about it. There's just. Yeah. There's, there's only one possible villain. There's no, there's no hero. And there's only one possible villain and that's Yukon. Yeah. And the only reason you really want to hate on Yukon is because they're, they've won titles under previous coaches. You know, you have Calhoun and his great teams. He leaves, retires. Kevin Ollie goes in, wins the national title. They kick Kevin Ollie out. I yep. love he's a great coach. Uh, and he, you know, he, he won his lawsuit and everything with that. Now you've got uh, Hurley in there and the well-coached team. If there's anyone that's going to ascend up into the next version of a blue blood, maybe it's UConn, but I mean, they, they're, they're going to have to win this to do that. I think so. I mean, most people discount Ollie's national championship for a variety of reasons, which is a little unfair. But um, most, I think that's unfair. Yeah, I, most even casual basketball fans will just tie the Hurley name to Duke. Yeah. And because of his brother, Bobby, who coaches yeah. at, uh, is he at Arizona now? Arizona State. Arizona State, sorry. And, uh, you know, it. that's the one thing that I think people can actually hang on to from that, yeah. you know, the bad guy perspective. Yeah. Yeah, but there's no Superman to root for. There's no, there's no, there's no hero here. Yeah. Um, who are you rooting for? Oh, man. Um, I am rooting for an FAU Miami championship, actually. Okay. I think it would be incredibly entertaining. I'm just not sure that FAU can match up against San Diego State's defense sufficiently enough to get through that game. I think, you know, UConn is like a five, five and a half point favorite. I think that's being a little disingenuous to Miami. Miami's solid. The problem with them is that they aren't always consistent. That very true. They have not been consistent. And when they lose a game, it's gonna be about eight to ten points. Yeah. And but they I've seen them run, I've seen them be down 10 and up three in two minutes. Yeah. It's crazy. When they turn it on, they're they're gonna go and they're gonna get up and down the court on you. And you can it say the same a, thing about UConn. I mean, UConn was number one at multiple points in the season this year from the AP pool and then they go and lose six straight. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's going to be, I think both these games are going to be great games. Um, I need to know what Miami team is going to show up. I'm rooting for Miami. I I love Laranega. I think he's done a fantastic job. Miami's always been one of those low key two or three teams that I've always liked, you know, schools I've always liked, you know, kind of like I'm an LSU guy, but then I like, you know, USC and Miami and, I've always liked Miami. I guess like the swag of the U. But uh, you got like somebody down there in Florida. You might as well like the the bad guys. So yeah, absolutely. I'm more, of, I'm more of a villain than I am a hero. So um, as they say in wrestling, I'm a better heel than I am a babyface. There you go. Uh, I'm rooting for I'm rooting for Miami. I don't care who wins the San Diego State Florida Atlanta game because I'll root for either team. I this is a this I say styles make matchups. This is either going to be up and down and Florida Atlantic stays close and wins this game, or if San Diego State's defense is good, they could, win this, they could win this whole thing. If yeah. I had to place a bet on one team to win this right now, these four, I'll take San Diego State. I'd take that defense. 
I don't blame you at all. And given what I've seen in all the games I've watched, that's not a bad bet. No. I, and you luckily, probably get pretty decent value with it too, yeah, which is so key. I bet on Caesars about two weeks ago. Uh, it was after the first round, or after the first round games. I bet both San Diego State and Miami to win the national championship. I nice. put 50 bucks in each of them, and I got hella odds. I got like 18 to 1 on San Diego State, and I got like 12 to 1 on Miami. So if it comes down to those two, either way, I'm going to win. Yeah. Get them in there now. But I, I did not think they were going to be there. I just saw the odds and went, wait a minute, these two teams are good. I thought they'd run into one seed that would beat them. Honestly, and they did. I mean, they didn't have to go through the one seeds because they got no, knocked out early enough. Knocked out earlier. So, and then and Florida Atlantic, I think it's a great story. Another team. How does a team that's ranked in the top twenty-five for the last month of the season get a nine seed? It that's like the kiss of death usually because the nine-eight game is always competitive, and then you're playing the one. Right. But again, the thing of it is, is regardless yeah. of that ending win-loss, yeah. who are they playing outside their conference, their yeah. conference week? And so, you know, they get hit on both sides. Yeah. But I think it's it's interesting because a lot of national college basketball media kind of picked FAU. They were like, if you want a barn burner, ride FAU because they can do this. Yeah. Um, it's just I don't know it's again it it comes in some level to the parody stuff that we're going to continue to see this for the next yeah. four or five three or I four talking, years I was talking to Tyler Jones about this and I asked him this question I said okay we got FAU's a nine San Diego State minor fives if any of those three teams play Tennessee right now, who's the favorite? Not Tennessee. Not Tennessee. Any of those. Tennessee was four. Now, I get now, – now, you also have to shuffle certain things around, certain allowances around for not trying to put teams from certain conferences to play till like, the round of 16. So I understand that's going to adjust some people up and down. But my takeaway from this was that the, the tournament – seating was poorly done. To not have any of the ones or twos in this thing left, and really, we only had one two left in the round of eight. Yeah, Texas was the last one standing. The last one, and you look at it and you go, this many upsets, it just tells me that there's a whole lot of, there is a lot of parity, but there is a whole lot of misunderstanding of where teams should be rated. I think K-State was really good. K-State ran into FAU. K-State should have been a three. Yeah. I mean, that's a that was a team that really got where they were at because one guy had two or three particular games in a row. To be frank, Florida Atlantic should not be in the Final Four right now. They should have lost in the first game of the year, the first game of the tournament. What happened in that Memphis game at the end With the was call. the call at the end was ridiculous. Memphis should have had the ball. It would have been over. Yeah. And then Florida Atlantic gets that. I, not that they're not talented, and they're just as talented as Memphis, if not more so. Sure. And then you, you know, you have the one seed Purdue get upset. How 
we all knew that Purdue was a fraud. <laughs> yes. We knew they were a one-man team, and he wasn't that good. You just mentioned about Michigan's kid Dickinson's going into the portal. Yeah. I've been saying for a month, he's a better player than Zach Eady. For he's one got, reason and one reason alone, he's got hands. Right. He he's got a basketball. Yeah. Like I was a friend of mine who doesn't really follow things closely. He just watches it and makes certain assumptions. Um, tells me, he says, Zach Eady's going to be a superstar in the NBA. And I said, Zach Eady won't play a single game in the NBA. Not a game. That he will not. I'll I'll bet a dollar on it right now. Zach Eady will never play a game in the NBA. I mean, my face is completely scrunched up at that prediction because has he not? Has this person not watched the NBA in the last five to ten years? I think that's part of it. I think it's part of it that he's he just sees a big guy who's seven foot four, and I'm like, yeah, we got seven footers just running around doing weird shit now in the NBA. His seven foot four ass, no one does what they do down there. Yeah. And in the NBA, a player at seven four who was good, like if Zach Eadie had Hunter Dickinson's athletic ability, mm-hmm. he'd be an excellent NBA player. Yes. He'd be a uh he'd be someone who would play in the NBA for 10 years. Hunter Dickinson's gonna have a great career in the NBA. He's not gonna be a superstar. No. When he gets to the NBA, he's gonna have a 10 year career. He's gonna make a you know a hundred million dollars when it's all said and done. Yeah, but it's because he he can play in that kind of system, and he's talented enough. Zach Eady's just awful, and Purdue's team was awful around him. I think it'll be interesting, presuming that Eady goes to G League when he leaves Purdue. He's had a short runway from a developmental standpoint because he just hasn't been playing organized basketball for a huge amount of time. And so maybe he will gain some different skill sets with that outside mid-range shot and not just hover around the basket. Yeah. So we'll see. I, I think he's going to Europe. I think he's going to have to go to Europe to play. Could be. Yeah. Zach Eady wouldn't be – he's just not athletic enough either. I mean, the G League, there, there's athletes running around the G League. Yeah. I mean, that's what that is. It's a, it's a developmental league. The NBA style. Yes. You can't be you can't be lurch anymore. You can't be running around seven foot four like Solomon Grundy over there. No, well, it doesn't work. And that's what I mean. Like if he wants to translate to the NBA, he has to learn the NBA style, right? So the G League, should he drop down in there, would be a great scenario. All right. We're gonna jump off the uh after we make our we're gonna make picks real quick. Okay. Who you got? San Diego State, FAU. Give me a pick here. Um, I'm taking FAU and UConn in the championship game. Oh, we're on the opposite side of both games. I got San Diego State and Miami. And I think that what who you got winning? Florida Atlantic or, or UConn? Oh, um, had the thought that I would say UConn would win against FAU. If it was UConn, San Diego State, who would you have? I think UConn can still shoot their way out, so I'd still take UConn. UConn's the Boston Celtics. They can shoot their way into a game, they can shoot themselves right out of a game, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
I like San Diego State and Miami. I like San Diego State to win the whole thing. I think, I think their defense is so good. And I just it's hard to bet against the good that's the best defensive team for this. Yeah, I think that's but fair. I think the best team of the four is UConn. Yes, I, absolutely. Yeah. I mean you look at the roster, you go, Oh, I'll take UConn, but I I'm gonna go San Diego State. So I like it. All right. Um, have you been watching much of the women's NCAA tournament? I flip things on from um, time to time, but I've at least been paying attention from the high level. Yeah. I got to tell you, I have dug what I have watched. I have watched a little bit of it. I'm digging this. Um, little check to where we are on the final four for the ladies. Yes. Uh, they play tonight, Friday night, and then they play their championship game on Sunday. Um, we have the direct opposite of what's happened in the men's tournament. We got two ones, a two, and a three. So come, uh, this will be tonight as we record. So Friday night, the early game on ESPN, both games on ESPN. Um, LSU, the lowest seed left. Kim Mulkey has brought this team from in her first year, leaving Baylor to go to LSU. They're in the final four, and they're playing Virginia Tech who has been a one seed and been very good all year long. Um, yes. LSU's lost two games this year. They lost at South Carolina. They got beat up in that game. I watched that game. They lost about 30 almost. They were down 15-2 to two at one point. It was ridiculous. South Carolina just ran them right out of the building. The other loss LSU had was in the SEC championship game by two to Tennessee. Okay. We have a young lady, I guess her name is slipping my mind right now, who has had a double-double in every game this season. Yeah, no, we were talking about her before we yeah. jumped on. Yep. Yeah, they are they're athletic, they're long, they rebound like crazy. So I want to see what's going to happen like when when LSU lost to South Carolina earlier in the year, it wasn't like how South Carolina plays, they play the closest to how a men's team plays. Mm-hmm. They get up and down the court and they're just extra athletic. Um What's different if you're watching the women's game as opposed to the men's game, you know, in a men's game, a guy gets the ball at the top of the key and makes a couple of moves and he goes to the basket. You just don't see as much of that. You see more passing in yep. passing lanes to get, get open shots. And that's where you see Virginia Tech's going to be really good at this. It's what Iowa does really well, especially they have the best player out of the four teams. And South Carolina does have a couple of ladies that – they can put it on the floor and go. Like, they're like, okay, we, they can play in transition. You don't see as much of that in the ladies' game. Um, and South Carolina's team under Dawn Staley is really interesting because this is the last year of this team being together. They had the five recruits. They were the number one through five recruits. Yep. All came together as freshmen. Like, four out of the five started their first year. They're like okay. the – they were kind of like the ladies' version of the Fab Five. Yeah. In Michigan back in the day. And they've stayed together and they've won two national championships in a row. And they're going for a third. And they ain't been touched yet. Um, the best game I've seen them play, or the, work, the closest game, was their game against Maryland in the round of eight, where Maryland had them down early. Yeah. And at no point did South Carolina look like, oh my gosh, they got us down. What are we going to do? They were just calm and said, look, there's. 
Keep firing them up. We're going to get it. We're going to get. We're going to out athlete in the second half. They did. I mean, the, the fourth quarter it was like a three point game at the end of the third quarter. Next thing you know, it's ten. Okay. They just throw points on the board. They're crazy, wicked, athletic. Um, that's going to be a great game. South Carolina is playing Iowa, who has the best player in the country, Caitlin Clark. If you haven't watched her, she's amazing. Yeah. Uh, this lady can play. She had a 40-point triple-double in the round of eight. The uh, first male or female player yeah. to do this in Ever. the tournament. Yeah, in the tournament. 40-point triple-double in their game against Louisville. They utterly dominated. If a team's going to give South Carolina a run, it's going to be a team that can shoot. And oh, Iowa yeah. can shoot. Yeah, Caitlin Clark pulling out from the logo is just – you have yeah. to expect that. And she just does not care and lets yeah. it fly and will punk your ass if you think that – if she thinks you're disrespecting her. So uh, I'm very much looking forward to that game. Yeah. This, this is going to be sort of like it, it – she reminds me – her game reminds me of Steph, of Steph Curry. Of Steph well, Curry. yeah, I mean, that's the equivalent that everyone's throwing out, that she is and... – it's going to be like, you know, it's going to be her. She's going to have to carry the team. Yep. And that's not a knock on the rest of their roster. It's just that Carolina's rock is so deep. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're just wicked deep from 1 to 15. They're all top 10 recruits. Even the ones that have come in this last couple of years and haven't played, they didn't leave. Don yep. Staley's like, just, hey, we're going to keep winning championships. And they got the best program in the country now. For sure. Um, that'll be interesting. Can, can the one – it's good – it's like uh, it's like being that one player team. We've seen this happen in the men's tournament, where one player can beat a team. Like, well, your KU family's gonna hurt when I say this. It's like what Carmelo Anthony did to KU. Yeah, two thousand three. I mean, it's things like that. We've seen those before, and I'm I'm gonna watch this game. I'm gonna watch both these games likely tonight, yeah. and. And I'll watch the game on Sunday night as well, the championship game, no matter what combination of teams make it. Um, if you haven't been watching, watch these games Friday night. Watch Sunday night's championship game. You can skip WrestleMania to watch it. I'm going to watch WrestleMania later on Peacock. <laughs> I can fast forward easier that way too. And, and I will say on a side yeah. note, for those of you that have HBO Max, flip on past week, last week's game theory with Lamani Jones because yeah. he breaks down some of the inequity between the men's and women's and yes. this tournament that I found really fascinating that I yeah. was fully aware of. Yeah. Some of those stories came out a couple of years ago. That's when it first started right. having these big issues and he brought that up to give you an idea. And the way Lamani put it, I thought it was pretty good. It was the men's tournament. They get a billion dollars a year. The NCAA, NCAA does. The women's tournament, it's like a hundred million for the next five. Yeah. Or the next, I think it's the next three. It's like, but now if you look at these two tournaments, the women's tournament has far outdrawn the men. Now, when I say it, their ratings aren't as good as the men's tournament. But when you look at it toward their history and getting better every year, the yeah. women's tournament, the viewership's going way up. Yep. And we're seeing more people watching it while the men's tournament's kind of coming back. Yes. It's something where we're seeing, I was, I was going to talk about this length because 
I think it's interesting. The women's game has become it's more fun to watch. Yeah. Kind of have some haves and have nots. We've seen that before. But like I was mentioning in the men's tournament, we like upsets early. We like upsets that first Thursday and Friday. We don't like that in the final eight and in the final right. four. But in the women's term, that hasn't happened this year. We've no. got a, a two ones, a two and a three. And that three is probably the best of the threes. That two is probably the best of the twos. And so we've got four quality teams. And the money coming, there's a huge disparage in the money. But now what we're seeing is that that's money well spent by ESPN to get the women's tournament exclusive. They're actually going to be playing these games. The championship games going to be on ABC. Yeah. On Sunday. Yeah. Um, I think it's awesome. And big women's games throughout the season draw well on television. I mean, hell, I hope the KU women's team who's playing in the NIT championship game, I believe tomorrow at Allen yes. Fieldhouse, yes. draws a huge crowd. They had a huge crowd for the Final Four game a couple nights ago. I saw pictures of that. And I know some people who went earlier in the week to that. And it's like, that's great. You know, we want to see more of that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's fun. And I'm glad to see that the women are drawing and that they're getting their, some of that inequities as being righted, if you will. Sure. It's never going to be even, which is too bad. But, man, this tournament's been phenomenal. You want to make some picks on this one, too, or not? Or what do you got? Yeah, so uh, uh, I'm going to take Iowa with, with the points. I'm not saying that they'll beat Carolina, but the last spread that I saw was 11 and a half. And I think yeah. Iowa will at least keep it close. Yeah. Um, whether Caitlin can pull it out of her ass, we'll see. Yeah. Because uh, it will really unfortunately depend upon her primarily but i mean that's what she loves uh and then i'm also taking which you will appreciate lsu yeah so you mentioned you're taking iowa you like them plus points um south carolina has not covered a spread yet in this tournament yeah and a lot of that is they get these high spreads i tend to agree with you on the spread thing with iowa but I'm so concerned that if the one-on-five thing, basically, it's like at any time the South Carolina team decides to turn it on and they're going to they're gonna rope you in. Yeah. Um, and I don't see them getting any kind of a lull, even if they get up 10, 12, or 15, which they will at some point. I don't see them going, well, we've got this. It's just going to get worse. I think you're going to see um, Don Staley say, no, Starters are staying in. You're running this whole game as much as we can because we know they can shoot their way back in. Um, I, I like South Carolina. Yeah. I do like South Carolina. I think they're going to win the whole thing. Um, I, I I love the idea of Caitlin Clark. I love the idea of Iowa winning because I have a good friend who's an Iowa grad, and I would love for LSU to beat Iowa for a national title. Oh, Okay. And because that would be something else I can rub in his face because you know he's like a Big Ten guy, I'm an SEC guy. We always beat them. It just works out that way. Sure. So anytime that LSU can beat Iowa, that's always fun. But I don't think Iowa gets past South Carolina. I do think LSU beats Virginia Tech. 
that game is going to be fun to watch. You said this. So I got to give you props on this. He said that that game might be worth watching just to see what Kim Mulkey's going to wear on the sideline. Hell yeah, man. Elton John of basketball coaches. I, and she wasn't like this at Baylor. No. She, she wasn't. And I don't know if just being back in the Bayou area has just lifted her soul that she feels free to be who she is. But her outfits have been notably outrageous for whatever reason she chooses to, and bless her for it, man. I've even noticed that her assistant coaches are wearing some stuff. And I'm like, even the men are wearing suits. Like a couple of the men that are there are wearing suits. You're like, I couldn't wear that. So not that I couldn't, I just couldn't pull it off. Not with my body type. <laughs> I'm sure that they would find something body type appropriate. For me, yeah. Well, I don't think that Kim Mulkey needs me on her staff. She's got, she's got a, she's got a great staff. She's done a great job. I mean, she already they're already in the final four, first year. Yep. Um, but you got winning the whole thing. Um, I would take. Uh, well, shit. If I'm picking between LSU and Iowa, then I would have to take LSU. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's gonna break my heart. That LSU is going to lose to South Carolina, but I just I'm not picking against that team. No, it's I, hard. It, it's hard to conceive of it, much less yeah. do. So I get it. Yeah, I think yeah. South Carolina women can play with a lot of men's teams. Yeah, a lot of, I mean, a lot be, of they'll be undefeated for the entire season, and um, I know that happens far more frequently in the women's game. You know, it just doesn't happen in the men's, but Don Staley has built a powerhouse and it shows what black women coaches can do for programs and should be offered to help build in any number of situations. So yes. it's 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 great for her and I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled for them too. Um so I'm picking the I'm picking the Gamecocks to win it all as well. So, um, all right, um, we're gonna just touch on this because we're coming off it. It just happened yesterday. We're both baseball people, but we have not talked enough baseball. And I don't think we have enough time to get in all the baseball stuff we're gonna want to get into. But did you enjoy any of Opening Day? I did. Um, I watched the Cubs win, which was fun. I watched the Royals until it looked needlessly useless um caught some of the houston white Sox games so yeah i i placed some pitiful bets for the cubs and or the royals to win the world series so i made a comment of that on twitter that's just wasting yeah. money yeah i i i know and i appreciate that but i don't know the royals had a hell of a spring training which doesn't indicate anything as far as league play the Cubs have a lot of fun pieces that they've added in, which seem to be at least based on one game working together. Uh, but we've got 179 or 80, 180 games to go, depending on yeah. your schedule. So it's going to be a long season, but I'll be at uh, Rockies opening day next Thursday. So I'm looking forward to that, although it might be a bit chilly. So, well, I mean, you're, you're, you are there. Uh, yeah. Let me see. I wanted to pull something up here. I am on DraftKings, and I wanted to look at 
of the futures. I wanted to say something about the World Series real quick. The current favorite to the World Series is the Astros at yep. six plus six fifty, so six and a half to one. Um, I I'm looking at this. You got so you got the Royals and the Cubs. So you got the Royals at two hundred to one. Um, let's see. I took the Royals. Yeah, plus twenty thousand. Mm-hmm. And the Cubs at plus nine thousand. Okay, that's what I've got right now. So if you need to get in, you know, if you're if you want people that wants to get in on the futures, you can get them at DraftKings. Check out our link in the show notes. You're gonna get some free bets. Use our link. And right now, if you put some cash down, they're gonna help you out with some free extra free bets and deposit bonus. Definitely check that out. I'll give you a futures bet that I think is a really good one. Give me the Toronto Blue Jays at mm. plus twelve hundred. Where's that Seattle? lineup is a murderer's row right now. That that lineup might be the best one in the league, and they got pitching to go with it. I'll take yep. Toronto twelve to one. And uh, uh, I wish we could bet against certain teams because I could already tell you after watching one game that the Angels are going to be really bad. They've got Trout, they've got Otani, and then they've got nothing left. But they might as well have me go out there and take a couple of hits. I mean, it was they're awful. Anthony Rendon, it looks like a he looks like one of the villains from um did you ever watch the old TV show Oz? The one no. was in the prison. He looks like one of the guys, I can't think of that actor's name, but he looks just like him. Yeah, it's I, every time I see Anthony Rendon, I think, man, he should be in prison because he's stealing so much money from the angels. Take it if you can get it, right? Yeah. Uh, the Mets at plus 950 are also a pretty good bet. I know they don't have Edwin Diaz, and uh, he's out for the season. So that doesn't take the closer away. But, again, loaded with pitching, loaded with a, with a, a lot of hitters. That would be a good one. And they're in a division that's basically a two-team division, them and the Phillies. So I, I like think the Mariners might be an interesting pick, too. I love their coach. Love their manager. I think he does a great – Scott Service does a great job managing that team. He did last year. Um, there were games they had no business being in. And mm-hmm. Scott Service can move guys around and do some things. They're phenomenal. And they got one of the best young players. Julio Rodriguez is amazing. Um, yep. He had a chance to win that game last night. I, last night, I have MLB TV and I have the app. If you If, you, if you're a sports fan – and you want to watch lots of games, that's the best way to do it. It's like 130 bucks for the full season. You get every game. The only downside is here in Kansas, I don't get Royals games on. Well, Royals yeah. Back down. I mean, I, I get it through T-Mobile because yeah. they – Yeah, T-Mobile has it for free. So but they, they, they block out your Rockies games for that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But again, professional – leagues should not have blackout rules i agree yeah and a lot of it is that they they want you to get it through one of their systems whether it's the their app or um through a traditional cable system we just in my house we stream everything so and i can live without watching the Royals. be perfectly yeah. frank i'm not going to miss anything not watching that team so um we're going to do a little bit of a baseball preview next week. I think we'll talk a little more about it. We get through the final four, get through all that. We'll talk a little more. We'll be a few days in, so we'll see. The one thing I did want to bring up in baseball, there is some excitement in baseball this year. I think we haven't seen in the last few years. 
for opening day, and it was due to the World Baseball Classic. Yeah. Do you watch any of the World Baseball Classic? Bits and pieces. Um, I watched some of the final, but didn't see the whole Trout Otani showdown at the end Incredible. of the game. Uh, but again, I'll, I'll go back to Bomani on this because he also spoke about it how, at least in America, we've kind of fucked up the game with the unwritten rules, which I completely agree with. It's taken a lot. It's taken a lot of the joy from the players uh-huh. and what the game can actually be. And his point was, you know, every other country that's participating in this, the game is growing. It's not slow. It's not the last. It's the biggest sport in those countries. Right. And yeah. it's because players can express themselves. And you have to, in any sport, in any endeavor, you have to be able to express yourself when you do something good or something bad, so long as you're not harming other folks, right? But, I mean, seeing players autographing stuff in the outfield. That was funny. Wonder Franco did that was funny. Yeah. Right? I mean, and yet it's just like here, to Bobani's point, you can't look someone in the eye after hitting a dinger off them because they're going to hit you with a 100-mile-an-hour pitch the next time you're up. Yeah. That's bullshit. Yeah, we can't. Yeah, they, yeah, I agree. They can't, you can't show, they, they think it's showboating. Look, if you're in the NBA, you know, we've seen this many times, LeBron, Kevin Durant, anyone you want to name, puts the ball on the floor, two steps, wham! I mean, just racks the shit out the ball. They're going to come up and they're going to pose, they're going to do something, and it's the crowd gets into it. And even in NBA games, they can play music during the games. Yeah. Now they have certain times they have to cut it off on the shot clock, so I understand. But when they do that, it gets the, it gets the, the crowds going. Absolutely. I was trying to talk Uncle Rico into going to a game, to one of the WBC games down in Florida. This was about a couple months ago. I was like, let's go down there. We'll take our golf clubs. We'll go play during the day, and then we'll go over to Miami, and we'll go see a game. One of the games we would have gone to see was the – uh, the Dominicans, Dominican Republic against Puerto Rico, which was when Puerto Rico eliminated the Dominican Republic, which was a great game. I mean, it was a fantastic game. And I was going, you can hear the, the crowd. And you're like, this is what we need. This is what American baseball needs. Yeah. Then you see Japanese fans come over here for the championship and their crowds were rowdy and getting into it and doing stuff. I was watching last night on opening day. I was watching four or five games, went back and forth. And I watched part of the Angels A's game. Mm -hmm. And I pointed this out to Peyton. Peyton was watching with me at the end. And I said, look at the advertising behind home plate. You know, they have those spinning advertising that change every couple innings. Yeah. A whole bunch of them had Japanese companies advertising because Otani was pitching. And those games get shown live in Japan. There are huge ratings draws there. He's insanely, I mean, he's like LeBron big there. Right. And, and I see why. I mean, he's a phenomenal athlete. Yeah. And you start hearing some of those crowds now. It's like, okay, we need that. 
I watched the Dodgers game last night, and they had interviewed Mookie Betts before the game, and he said the number one takeaway he had from the WBC was first off playing for his country was incredible. Sure. And playing that team, those players all coming together. He said, but the big thing was he wanted to take that atmosphere and bring it to the Dodgers and say, how do we do this? We, we, we know we got to respect the game, you know, but how do we do this to where we get the fans excited? And it, because they've, the problem is that baseball's had some of the keepers of the rules over the years. You know, the guys like, you know, Brian McCann and um, Freddie, Freeman. Freddie Freeman's one of those guys too. And he played on team Canada. Um, you know, we've got a few of them that they, they believe in, you don't do this. You put your head down when you hit a home run. Look, the most fun baseball, we talked about this last season, most fun players to watch are the young Latino players. Yeah. Why? Because they bring an excitement to the game. There's passion for it. Yes. I mean, look at like a Ronald Acuna and Juan Soto. And I just like, give me those guys. Give me that. And the WBC proved that that's doable in Major League Baseball. I don't think it's been thing that's ever had to been proven it's not a theorem that was hypothetical it was here was a bunch frankly of white guys who got handed down a bunch of things that they were told that you could never do and then people that didn't look like them came in and brought a different sense of the game with them it's stupid I'm sorry. I I have a friend of mine who's just like dead against a bat flip. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. I want to see it every time. I want to, you hit, you, hey, look, if you can hit some of the way these pitches move and you can hit them out the park, you should be able to flip your bat. It, it, it goes the other way too. If I'm a pitcher, I brought in in the eighth with the bases loaded and two outs and I strike the guy out. Well, I'd be able to put down the fucking hammer of Thor if I want to. I mean, I just think that that's important. Give it that yes. style. Give it. Young people don't watch baseball because it's boring. It is. But Although you I can make it fun it. in this way. Yeah. Yeah. This, the speed is, yeah. I think, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. And given the base stealing that's going to occur without the shift, I think that's uh-huh. really. But, and with the throwover rules, there's a whole lot of new rules. Yeah. To your point, if your league is stuck in the 45 to 65 age demographic, you're going to die off real quick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what it's just, what it is. Yeah. It's and if actually, you don't believe that it can happen, the NBA got young. And yeah. now it's the second most popular league. It's only behind the NFL. And people watch, and they're going to get a whole bunch of money when, they're, when their TV deals come up. Well, I mean, the, CBA, and the CBA is being renegotiated this year. So, yeah, I mean, it's and, and it's because of these young players. I mean, it's because of the excitement of the game. I mean, in Memphis at NBA games, they play whoop that trick. And white people are chanting that. I think that's fucking fun. If you don't know where that comes from and you start at half the people, I've never seen hustle and flow. And that's where it comes from. You, I just made you spit that almost. That's what it comes from. You know what movie I'm talking about? You ever seen it? Oh, I have. Yeah. I mean, that's that's where that comes from. You know, I think that's great. And I think that, like, in, in Memphis, oh, come on. Give me that. 
Why can't we do that in Kansas City with the Royals? You want to fill that stadium up? Have a DJ playing music? Make it loud? Come up with something like that? I mean, have Tech, Tech Nine come up with a fucking Royals sign. Yeah. I mean, they got a Chiefs sign. Come up with a Royals one. Yeah. I mean, how? I mean, you'll do it. I mean, do that. Get people, get people involved and get young people to make it, especially in these cities. Like you're in Denver. I love where the Rocky Stadium is. There's so much to do down in that area as well. Yeah. And in a lot of cities, you have this. If you can make an experience out of it to where it's not just going, parking your car and going into the ballpark, which is what I hate about Royals games. Yeah. Like people are like, oh, we're going to opening day. You're not really a baseball fan. You're going to the game because it's a social thing. And they they fill up their... Yeah. Yeah. But why would you tailgate a baseball game? Baseball game should be something you go to and then you go do something around it. The Royals or after the game. Yeah, the Royals are the only team that I know of from the few parks that I've been to that actually have a tailgate for games. Yeah. Yeah, because it's because there's, there's nothing, nothing else around. around. Nothing yeah. else around. I mean, if you want to find a chop shop to get your car chopped up in, you shouldn't have to go far. But that's about it. You I mean, a, a really bad Denny's across the across the highway. It's by. And I will say this: the Rockies ownership sucks. <laughs> They're just horrible, but they have invested directly across the street. You know. We've got a food hall. We've got a beer hall. We've got a bar. Everything within, you know, five minutes of the ballpark. There's a bunch of sports bars around there. Yeah. Lodo, lower downtown for those non denverites listening to this, has really built up since they put Coors Field in 26, 27 years ago. Because it was all warehouses. It was all sketchy. It was shitty. But, and this is why... I don't know. I, I continue to watch what the Royals are going to do with their stadium. Got to get a downtown park. There's there's room now. There's a spot for it. Yeah, I, I mean, people that can walk walking this is the power and light. You can walk to the power and light. I, I I understand the complaints around it, but I'm just like, man, it is really great for me to be able to take the train down to Union Station and then walk to the ballpark, maybe grab a drink or two beforehand. And then take the train home. So with the street line, the street yeah, car. The street car. Yeah, we have the street line that goes right by. Yeah, I'm just like. Ballpark to be. And I was talking, my father-in-law brought this up. We were talking about last weekend. And he was like, I hate the idea of a downtown park. And I said, it's because you're older. You just want to go to the game, have a couple of hot dogs before the game in the parking lot, and then leave. You know, because he doesn't live in that area. I was right. like, it's not made for you. I mean, you're 65, 70, almost 70 years old. I mean, it's not for you. It's for the 21, the, the 35-year-old person who's going to want to go out before or after the game or yeah. both right downtown. And it becomes an experience. Right. I understood his point because of his, you know, the way he is. He's, he's an older guy. He's looking at it yeah. going, well, it just doesn't, this doesn't appeal to me. Hey, look, it wouldn't always appeal to me at almost 50, you know, it's like, okay, but then there's times where I'd be like, right crew. Hey, let's go down there. Let's go. Let's after the game, Friday night, after the game, let's go have a couple beers somewhere. Yeah. I'll do this. So like even next week, right. 
I think we've got a 210 or a 240 first pitch. Outfield will open up two hours before first pitch so you can catch batting practice of the visiting team. The downtown area around Union Station will probably be packed by 10 o'clock yeah. in the morning. Yeah. And, and, it's and, the not, and it's not people that are necessarily going to the game. They just want to come and hang out adjacent there too. <laughs> well, that happens at Kansas City, but it's different. You know, in Kansas City, they go to the they go to opening day and they tailgate in the parking lot. Right. And then they go into the game and they usually leave early because the game's not great. And then they go home. There's nothing to do down by Kauffman Stadium. Right. But that's why it was built like in the 70s. That's how you did things. And yeah. I get it, but it just like I and like for in Kansas City, the people who go to opening day aren't baseball fans. They're not Royals fans. They go just as much for the social aspects of it. And to be seen as much as to go for the game. They're not enjoying the game. I, there certain, there, there's some true diehards that I know that are true baseball fans. Well, yeah, there's there's that everywhere. But what I mean is a, a great, great percentage of people that go to opening day, I'll call it half, don't give a fuck about the game. Because they're not going, they're going to the game because they're going to go tailgate, have a few beers, and then they're going to go home. Yeah. It's not the experience of going to the ball game itself. And making an event before or after. It, it's just, sure. yeah. And that's something that's that's just kind of how this city is. It's kind of a shame because there could be a lot more to do and it could be a lot more fun. And you could get more people out to your game if you had a more centrist view of what you could do around that area. Sure. Even if you made kid-friendly places or if you, you know, like for people who are, who are families, you're going to go and you're going to leave. I get it. You know, you're not going to take your, you know, six, seven, eight, ten-year-old kids to the bar. I get yeah. that. Yeah. But who are we trying to appeal to? If we're trying to appeal to people who are in their 20s, in their 30s, with disposable income and grow the sport. You mentioned earlier, sports dying if you've got most of your fans are 45 and up. Well, and the thing of it is, with what the Rockies did, by having this open air kind of viewing area where they'll show the Rockies game. So maybe families don't go, but there's a place for them to hang out. They can feed their kids. They can leave whenever they want to. They're still watching the game, even though, you know, a thousand feet away is where the park is and they don't want to go to the park for any number of reasons. It's just like that big spot in PL where people come and they show games, whether it's Arsenal yeah. or whatever. Use that to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Instead of just saying, uh, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't, this isn't how we do things here. Right. You don't, if you don't grow, you're gonna fall behind. Um, then I hit a couple small ones here and a couple of little things that we're gonna jump out at the end here. But uh your boy. Grady Dick is going pro. Deep Dick is going to the NBA. Yep. You're going to miss Grady Dick. That's your guy, isn't it? I mean, he's not my guy. Uh, I found it really interesting that he decided to go to New York City and do NBA Countdown to announce that he was going into the draft. Um, No one was surprised by this. I wish him the best. He's going to have some growing pains. Yeah, he will. 
But good luck. I'll say this. Go ahead. No, I was just like, good luck to him. He's yeah. if he's gonna make his bag, and it'll yeah. be fantastic. Yeah. So there, you know, I'm someone that thinks he would be better off staying in his game would be better off staying in college for another year. Agreed. But I totally understand why you go. There's two reasons. One, you're gonna get more money now than you would if you stay at KU, even with an IA. Yeah. Two, he's gonna be a year younger. And the second contract is where you make your money. So to be a year younger when the second contract comes, that's where you get that back. And that extra year does make some difference. So, well, and he's going to get a lottery pick more yeah, likely. He, he is. And, and I think he's a project. I mean, he's someone that's going to sit on your bench for a year. A good team is going to get him and sit him on the bench. And that's fine. He's just not ready to play. I mean, he's going to play five, ten minutes a game. Yeah. At some point in his rookie year, maybe not from the first game, but it's going to take. He's got to put some weight on too, and then that'll happen too. He's also he's like like nineteen. I mean, what do you yeah. want from the guy? I mean, you got, it's a lot to ask. He'd benefit from staying. His game would, but he'd also benefit from going and just getting in the program now with someone there that's going to develop him and maybe develops him to what he needs to be for his second deal. For sure. So, I mean, I, it makes sense. I can't hate on the guy for that. Not at all. The only reason I can hate on him is that he is not a clutch shooter at all. I realize that you keep digging on this. And the thing of it is, I'm going to continue to say, at 18, 19 years old, how many dudes were clutch? That's, that's a very, very good point. That's a very good point. I, so, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I get the angst around it, but I'm just like, dude. Yeah. I get it. I just it, it, it's just it's trouble with trouble troublesome when you hear he's so great, he's so great. I'm like, okay, look, he's got a chance to be really good. Yeah. But won't get the anointing oil out yet. And I think being in some other situation where he has opportunity to drive, to defend rebound and do some of the little things that he showed at KU is going to be super beneficial for him. Well, I will say his effort, like the way he plays the game, he has high energy. That will also be good for him. That'll make a lot of teams say, Hey, there's energy here. We can figure this out. When I criticize him, and I don't like criticizing college players. It's more just tug and cheek than anything else. But like, I have a particular reason why I don't like him. I've never mentioned it in the podcast. I never will. This is where I would like to be able to hit the Balmonte Jones um, to put you on hold music, but I'll tell you. Okay. Nothing to do with him at all. He's a good. He, everything I've seen is a good dude. So. Yeah. Well, congratulations, Grady Dick. Go make you money, kid. Go make yeah. a lot of it. Um, speaking of making money, Lamar Jackson still has not signed his uh, franchise tender, and he has not <laughs> not signed anywhere. He's um, truly tweeted that he wants to be traded. <laughs> oh, did you see the timing when he put that out? I remember seeing thoughts around it, but talk about it. Oh, it's genius. So whoever is advising him, mm-hmm. they I guess the idea was Lamar Jackson wanted to put out last Friday, a week ago now, was when he wanted to put it out that he'd asked for a trade. Mm-hmm. What happens Fridays? It's a it's a dump of news. No one really pays attention because you're going to the yep. weekend. 
So whoever's advising him on this stuff said, no, 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 no. Wait till Monday. Which, as a side note, for those of you who don't know, he does not have an agent. He doesn't have an agent. Yeah, he represents himself, but he's got some people for other things. Yeah. So he's got the consultants or whatever. So what he what also happened was the timing was the information was released that Lamar Jackson had asked for a trade during the owners' meetings on Monday, Tuesday. And the way the owners' meetings work on the Monday, the first day, is the owner, the general manager, and the head coach all sit down with the media. They timed it just right to release the information that he'd asked for a trade within an hour was when uh, Harbaugh, the GM, and the owner had to sit in front of the press and start asking, start answering questions. A couple of them did not know. None of them knew at the time that that information was public knowledge. Chef's kiss. Yeah, I mean, that was just brilliant to played that. Um as we all know, I'm team player, so I'm always going to be with players on this, and I love Lamar Jackson, so he's one of my favorite players as well. Um, I'm team Lamar in this. I think the Ravens have totally botched this. The Ravens are trying to get someone else to pay the premium or to set a price instead of just setting the price themselves and getting it done Correct. with the yeah. best quarterback in their in – their, the best quarterback in the franchise's history. He is the second-best player in the franchises, maybe the third best. I mean, you look at Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, here you go. Sure. But Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, let's let's put this in context. This is Baltimore, a very large African-American, you know, uh, population there. Uh, That they're, uh, um, if I understand what I've been told, they're uh, season ticket holders skew largely African-American as well. Makes sense. In a league where Deshaun Watson got $250 million guaranteed, and we know the issues there. Mm-hmm. Now, a team has an opportunity to secure an African American quarterback in a city that's got a large African American population and a ticket base that's largely African American, and they're going to try to cheat this thing? Uh uh-uh. uh. Make him the player. Give him, you can put him on every fucking billboard in town. Yeah. You want to put up season ticket signs. You want to have people come to your events. You have the guy right there. Mm -hmm. Put his name up, put his face on those billboards and sell your tickets and get your merch sales and build your franchise around this guy. He's one of the best five quarterbacks in the league. He's been an MVP and everything. And he's played. And when he's not playing, that team was dreadful. Yes. This is not football related at this point. They can say, well, there's a problem with his durability. And you can argue that Lamar Jackson had some injury issues. But my counterpoint to that is if they were so worried about his injury issues, why haven't they changed up their offense? Or at least their offensive line to protect him. Protect him, run the ball, run to uh, less of these quarterback runs they want to run with him. Yeah. Get him some receivers to throw to instead of trading those receivers away. They've done him no favors. This guy's a talent. He's a he's a generational franchise talent. Yeah. And basically, the Ravens at this point are saying we want to give him away by not signing him. They put the non-exclusive tag. So now, 
Lamar wants to be traded. The Ravens are trying to work out a trade. We know what the price to do a business is now. They're not going to get anything out of this. The deal is two ones. That's how the tender works. All I got to do from any other team is go to Lamar and say, I'll guarantee the money. Sign the deal. Yeah. If the Ravens match it, okay, they get their wish. If not, I get two, they, I got to give up two ones. That's a one plus less than what was given up to get Deshaun Watson. And you get well, a better player in Lamar Jackson. And with no embarrassment. Yeah. And 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 you see the comments from the Falcons owner, Arthur Blank, about how they were really looking at Deshaun and then decided that Lamar was a bit too much somehow. And I don't get it. So I mean, you've used this term several times as far as collusion and that kind of thing goes. And I'm curious about it. I don't fully disregard that conclusion. But if I'm Lamar Jackson and I'm looking at this from a totality of circumstance, Mm -hmm. much like Colin Kaepernick, how long do I allow myself to be sidelined to actually have some of this shit be forced out into the public? Okay. What are your thoughts on that? Okay, I got a, I got a few thoughts. One, the collusion thing. Collusion is the hard. You're an attorney. Collusion's hard as fuck to prove. Sure. There is not going to be a smoking gun where every owner has said, "Don't sign Lamar Jackson." I don't know. These these dudes are really stupid, and they put a lot of shit in emails. Yeah. You never but know. What I will say, what I think this more of, I don't think it's collusion necessarily against Lamar. It's collusion against the idea of giving anyone a fully guaranteed contract. They had one. You had just a Deshaun Watson. Now, what we're hearing, everyone is saying using the same language. The reason that I started saying this, they're using the thing saying, well, it's an outlier. It's a special case. Now, the the option is, and what's really going on, is that the Cleveland Browns made a deal they had to make to get Deshaun Watson. And they thought, well, this is going to be how the business is moving forward. And they have an owner who's batshit crazy and has more money than brains. And he thought, well, this is how it's going to go for all these quarterbacks moving forward. So we'll just be the first one. But none of the other owners like this idea. Of course not. Because now you're going to have these quarterbacks. It's going to be it's going to be only going to be quarterbacks in this. It's not going to be your left tackle. It's not going to be your best corner or running back, you know, that are going to get these kind of deals. Right. And they go, well, Mahomes didn't get a fully guaranteed contract. Well, Mahomes sat and got a significantly good team deal for 10 years so he could negotiate his way out of if he wanted to. Which he constantly, it seems like every season he tweets for the benefit of the team. Yeah, yeah, he he did it. I mean, they moved his thing around, his contract around the, the, the payouts to make it where it was easier to sign certain free agents at certain times. And then you can always convert stuff to salary cap, to salary bonus and take it off the cap. But my point with the Lamar thing is you only need one team 
to come in and go, well, he's worth it. Whether that be the Houston Texans, who seem to be stuck on one of these two running these two quarterbacks at the beginning of the draft, or it's the Atlanta. Atlanta's the perfect destination for Jackson. It, I, I'm not even a Falcons fan. I'm a Falcon hater, as a matter of fact. You are. But I am. I mean, we know there's three truths in life. The sun rises in the east, sets in the west, and the Atlanta Falcons are never won the Super Bowl. Um, but Lamar Jackson is a perfect fit there. Because of who he is, how he can be, and you can put him on every fucking billboard in town. The issue is these teams don't want to pay him and because they don't want to set more precedents. All these teams want to say Deshaun's the outlier. That was a crazy owner. We don't want to pay this freight. Some franchises simply can't afford it sure. because of the way that works. And people, people, what you don't, a lot of people don't understand is the way the NFL works, you give a fully guaranteed contract or you give a guarantee of any kind, you have to set those funds in an escrow and then you pay it as the player is then paid, those funds come out of escrow. Well, some owners can't put 300, 250 or 300 million in escrow. They don't have the money. Yeah. So what do you do? Now, Browns could do it because that guy's crazy wicked rich. He's a multi-billionaire. He's one of the richest men in America. Jimmy has them. But the Ravens don't have that much money. You look at, we're going to see this with a couple other guys in the next couple of years. And that's where I get to where Lamar's decision has to come in. But some of these teams have to figure out how do you do that? Because the, the price of doing business, the price of a quarterback is $40 million a year now. Daniel Jones got 40 Dak is over 40 Derek Carr was a deal now. I mean, which is ridiculous you know we're if daniel jones is getting 40 with half the guaranteed that's the cost to me. that's what your quarterback is it's going to cost moving forward and okay. it's not that they'll want they don't want to pay deshaun this much money or i'm sorry they don't want to pay um lamar as much money it's that they don't know how to work with the guarantees and they don't want to set that precedent because then the precedent comes out for the Bengals with Joe Burrow, with the Chargers with Justin Herbert, the Eagles with Jalen Hurts. Mm -hmm. Two of those teams, the Bengals and the Chargers, are two of the poorest owners, we can call any owner of an NFL team poor, in the league. They don't have the cash. Most of their net worth is built up in the value of the team. You can't access that. How do you access, you know, in like a in a Joe Burrow case, how do you access $300 million when your team's worth $2 billion? Ask Dan Snyder. He knows. Well, Dan Snyder's got some creative ways of doing it. Um, but that's what you got to, I mean, that's what the problem is. And so now the other question you asked, I think is really important, is, well, how far does Lamar go? What Do you sign this deal and play for a year under this tag? Do you try to wait it out? He's got all the way up till the end of August to sign this thing. Okay. With all the changes, you would think the Ravens have got a new offensive coordinator. They got some new pieces brought in. But not, none of them are very good. And Todd Monkins not that good in OC. And I don't know how they think Todd Monkins is going to run an offense with Lamar Jackson. That's just that's just two two ideas that don't wash. You got to get Lamar in there now. 
So I think Lamar has a lot of the a lot of the um the the balance of powers in his way. If I was Lamar Jackson, not only would I not sign for a non-guaranteed contract, I would not sign the franchise tender. I would sit out the year. If okay. he doesn't sit if he if he doesn't sign it, then either he he he's done. He, he cannot play this season. He has to sit out a full year. Le'Veon Bell did this a few years ago, and it, it ruined Le'Veon Bell's career. Yeah. But in this case, you sit out for the year, and you're an unrestricted free agent. Now, between now and then, Jalen Hurts gets a new deal. Joe Burrow gets a new deal. Justin Herbert gets a new deal. Someone is going to break the bank. One of those three is going to get a fully guaranteed deal. So now you can call it a precedent. Now it's a precedent. And what Lamar's hoping for, the guy you got to hope it is, you got to hope it's Burrow. You got to hope it's Burrow who gets a whole shitload of money and a fully guaranteed contract because then you go, hey, the white guy got it. How come I can't get it? Now you're not playing with the same deck of cards. Now you're saying, hey, I got the deck stacked in my favor. I can now pull the, the race card. You didn't want to give that to me because I'm black. Yeah, no, that's a fantastic point that I, when you said Burrow, it was just like, oh, I'm thinking of the Bengals ownership, not yeah. who yeah. is. That. And Herbert's the same way. If Herbert gets a yeah. fully guaranteed contract, I don't think he will. But if he gets a fully guaranteed contract, Lamar's just going to be sitting there going, somebody pay me. Yeah. Now you're now, now there's a precedent and a player who's not as good. Mm-hmm. As good as Joe Burrow is, he's been in the Super Bowl. He, he gave away his past. He's never won the MVP. Yeah. He's never won. And, and they're the same age. Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson are the same age. Mm-hmm. Burrow came out a year, two years later because Lamar came out as soon as he could. Right. Joe Burrow was a senior. Yeah. So you look at it and you go, ah, if I'm Lamar, I don't, I wouldn't ever play another down for the Baltimore Ravens. And the Ravens have got to figure out what to do at quarterback immediately. And they got to realize they're handcuffed. So if I'm one of these teams, if I'm the Atlanta Falcons, I wait till after the draft. I'm not giving up this year's number one pick. All right. No matter who I'm, I'm not giving up. We're too close to the draft make that deal no one's making that trade in the next month we're four weeks away from the draft four weeks from from yesterday is the draft yep lamar jackson's not traded in four weeks so if you're a team that's a good enough team you sign the offer sheet make it fully guaranteed go to lamar and say look we'll give you four years we'll give you five we'll fully guarantee it and now you know what the cost is. I got to give up my 2024 and 2025 first round pick. I yep. also know if I add Lamar Jackson, I got better as a team. That pick is a later pick. Yeah. So, I mean, if I'm the Houston Texans, if I'm the Atlanta Falcons. I'm thinking, man, I'm going to hold on to all these picks this year. Houston's obviously going to draft one of the two quarterbacks, whichever one's available for them whether it's Bryce Young or, or C.J. Stroud. But I'm just using it as the example. You say, hey, I'm going to hold the pick, you know, and I'm going to pick someone who's going to deepen my pockets, and I'm going to go make this deal for Lamar Jackson. 
and it's not going to harm me now. Mm. I'll be a better team already, and I give up ones next year. That's cheaper than any franchise quarterback is going to be. Sure. I mean, look, there's the Chiefs wouldn't trade Patrick Mahomes for two number one overall picks. Oh, God, no. The the Bengals wouldn't trade Joe Burrow for two number one overall picks. I mean, you, now you can get away with trading two first rounders, and they're probably going to be in the twenties or after. Yeah, given the quality so, of the yeah. team. So make the Ravens pay for it. Make the Ravens make you. They made such a poor decision on this. Now I'm going to get you. I know Arthur Blank's playing it cool. If I'm Arthur Blank, I couldn't wait to make that deal. Mm-hmm. Whoever the new ownership of the Commanders is in a few months. Yep. If they get that done, and they get that done shortly after the draft, and they get new people in place, boy, you tell me Lamar Jackson wouldn't look good in an Eric Bieniemy offense. Oof, yeah. You know, what if you're one of these NFC teams that you think? What if you're the Detroit Lions? You think we're good? We're really good, and if we upgrade that position. And we bring that guy in, we're a Super Bowl contender. I'm the Lions. I'm thinking about it. I mean, there are some teams in there. Interesting. I yeah. got to think about it and go, hmm, we've built a solid nucleus. Yeah. You mean that guy. And the Atlanta Falcons are the same way. Again, they're no bigger Falcon hater than me. I know. I'd be on the phone with Lamar. I'd be like, hey, day after the draft, we're calling. Day yeah. after the draft. After our first round pick, we're going to make this deal. We're going to give you 200 guaranteed for four years. We're going to make you the highest paid guy in the league. Just be patient. Know the offer sheet's coming. And even if you wanted to shorten it to a four-year deal instead of a five or six, tell it, we'll go to four, maybe go to three like Dak did and be a free agent again when you're 29, a four-year deal. He's a free agent at 30. He gets a second Mega contract, you know. I, to me, that makes a ton of sense. I what the Ravens have followed this thing up so bad. Yeah, they are just again showing us all the fuck around and find out scenario. If I'm, if I'm Lamar, I'll never play another down for him. And if that means I have to sit out the 2023 season, that's fine. Because in 2024, someone needs a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And those other contracts will have happened. At least one of them will have happened. I think Jalen gets his done before training camp. I think Burroughs happens before the end of training camp. Okay. Yeah. And when you see that, and you see that Jalen gets five years, you know, 200 million, and they guarantee 175. Mm-hmm. And then Burrow goes and gets five years at 230 million and it's fully guaranteed or 220 of it's guaranteed. Yeah. I mean, Lamar is going to have plenty of standing. There's going to be plenty of teams that are going to need quarterbacks next season. Yeah. So, um, Hey, you brought this one up to me. I didn't know about this as it just happened, but mm. I, an interesting coaching tidbit locally here in Kansas. And this was, uh, Longtime son of longtime Kansas State head football coach Bill Snyder, Sean Snyder, 
has been hired by the University of Kansas as a special assistant to Lance Leipold. Yeah. So uh, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Well, I just texted you a picture of Sean Snyder in uh, Crimson and Blue, which is wild. I don't know what to think about it beyond it being like a huge troll scenario. Um, I'm curious how it'll impact some in-state recruiting or near-state recruiting, perhaps. Mm -hmm. I mean... Bill Snyder basically set up his retirement to be like, okay, Sean's taking over. And K-State's AD was like, yeah, that's not happening. And then Sean stayed on staff for, what, a couple of years after his dad finally retired, really, really retired. And uh, I don't know. It's, It's interesting for people to get pissed off about. I'm not sure what kind of an impact it'll make. So I'm curious to hear what you think, given that you know more about the coaching perspective than I do. Okay. I'm seeing something now. This is on KCTV5 here local in Kansas City. They got a little more info on this, saying that it looks like uh, Chris Kleineman, the, um, the head coach at K-State, has brought Sean in, or was, was not going to keep. Uh, he was demoted to a special teams analyst when – um, this was following the 2019 season. To give you a little heads up, here's what we got. So Bill Snyder was obviously the head coach from 1994 to 2019. Um, from 2011 to 2018, um, there was a portion in there where Bill Snyder was gone. Uh, at that time, it was believed for a long time that Sean Snyder would be the head coach at K-State when his father retired. At the time of first retirement, it was believed that he was too young. Okay. And he was kept on with the new head coach at the time. I can't think of his name now. Big bullheaded guy came from Virginia uh, who's now back in the NFL as an assistant coach. Um, But he was a special teams coach, and he was one of the major recruiters. He was let go after the 2019 season. Um, Sean Snyder then went to USC, and he's been at USC for the last two seasons as a special team coordinator. Um, And he was special team coordinator at University of Illinois this past year. So two seasons. 2020, 2021, he's at USC. 2022, he's been at University of Illinois. Now he's brought over to KU. And I got to think that you're on to something. Um, as far as the coaching thing, I've always been told that Sean Snyder knows special teams really, really well, but he's not a great candidate to be a head coach. Okay. He doesn't have this, he's really not great specialized in offense or defense. I do think this has more to do. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think this has more to do with local recruiting. I mean, local is in Kansas, Oklahoma, the Midwest. And the reason being is that Kansas still loses top recruits to Kansas State, even though there's probably more energy around the KU program than there has been certainly in the last number of years, but this past year. I mean, even local kids from Lawrence – were go the best local kids from Lawrence weren't going to KU these last 10 years. They right. were going to K-State or they're going out of state. Yep. And I think that this has something to do with that. I think this is a matter of okay, you know, Shaw Center can say, well, my dad's gone and Kleinman and I aren't going to get along. Let me go back to Kansas where I like, you know, I like the state of Kansas. I know the people there. Mm-hmm. He is well respected by a lot of the local coaches. He'll help him recruit. I mean, that's the thing. And KU does need some local recruiting. I mean, 
Yeah. They have Devin Neal. Devin Neal's a local Lawrence kid that really wasn't going to go anywhere else just because right. of who he was. Yeah. Who he is. He's a great young man. Uh, could have gone pretty much anywhere, but wanted to stay in Kansas. At the same time, there have been other recruits that Kansas has lost, a lot of them to K-State, who have played very well there and fit in the program there over the years. Uh, there was a local recruit here in Lawrence who plays at Nebraska, yeah. who should have been a KU guy. I mean, he was when Les Miles got hired, that kid was the first recruit he called. And he yeah. told Coach, it doesn't matter, Coach, I'm going to Nebraska. Sean Snyder will help with that. Okay. I do think he has relationships with local coaches. Um, and then so then you can look at it and go, well, okay, which of these two head coaches between KU and K-State are going to recruit the best local kids? Um, mm-hmm. Kids from Derby, Kansas, they're still going to go to K-State. Yeah. A local time. Their coach is a former K-State player, and yep. they their best players end up going there. But they're not the best athletes. I just had this conversation with a couple of coaches here locally about that. It's like they're the best program in the state, but they're not the best players. Okay. There's better players at Lawrence High, Free State, Pika High, and half the Kansas City Metro. Okay. Their programs did run different. Um, that's where I think Sean Steiner can help, is it'll be able to use that name with those coaches and say, hey, there's a seriousness with KU football. And, and I hope it works for KU football. Frankly, I want to see KU get good in football. One, some about season tickets this year. And two, I I think sports is better and competition is better when you have a rivalry. Yeah, absolutely. It hasn't been a rivalry for a long time. KUK hasn't been a rivalry. Yeah. You know, so let it be a rivalry now. And um, I got the chance to meet Coach Leipold a couple of times. I've never had to sit down and talk to him at any length. I've just you know, been, hello, how you doing? Great mm-hmm. to meet you, that kind of stuff. Um, he comes off as someone who's genuine to me and I think is a good fit for Lawrence. I do think he's here for the duration. I don't good. think he's I don't think he's hopping from this job, Hubert, to the next one, you know. Sure, if sure. If he was gonna do that, he would have done it already. Yeah. So I just look at this and go, yeah, this is um an idea of bringing in someone related to that Snyder name and taking it away from K-State. It's not that the Snyder family doesn't love K-State, because they do. I mean, their family's name oh. is on the damn stadium. Yeah, it's Bill Snyder they, family stadium. Family stadium. <laughs> and and Bill Snyder had a big reach in getting Chris Kleinman to go to K State. I mean, he is basically a duplicate copy. Yeah, of how Bill Snyder does things. So it that's why it's kind of surprising to me that it didn't work out with him and Sean Snyder. But uh, some K State people I know really like Sean Snyder. Some mm-hmm. don't like him at all. Okay. So. A lot of the ex-player, like the old school players, love it. They love it. And then some people just think he's just not that good a coach. Interesting. Okay. But, yeah, you got to sign to be your be a special teams coordinator. It's not like you're going to be asking him to you know coach a whole lot. He's coaching special teams. He's going to be coaching your punts, your kickoffs, you know, and he's good at that. I mean, look at what they did in all those years. He was that coordinator at K-State. They did. Yeah. They usually had a tactical advantage in those areas. But I think you're spot on. That's got to do a lot with um, uh, recruiting as well. So, all right. Hey, um, one last one. I hate talking about this guy, but I want to bring it up. We think about the Aaron Rodgers stuff. Aaron Rodgers, since we last talked, he's announced that he wants to go to the New York Jets. A deal's not done yet. 
Um, there's no no trade yet. It looks like it's gonna happen. It's just a matter of getting the eyes dotted and T's crossed. Do you have a problem with an Aaron Rodgers saying, here's where I want to go? I mean, I don't. What more seems to be a problem for me personally is that he's a fucking prima donna and is just traipsing around like, this is where I intend to be and I'm going to go into my blackout retreat for four days and come out and say, this is where I intend to be. And then I can, given that there is no deal signed, can see him just like saying fuck you to whomever and landing somewhere completely different because he's decided in that next moment it suits him better. So I, I was of the belief that there was probably a deal in place, but for him to come out and say, here's where I want to go. I would have thought there was a deal in place. Mm -hmm. And I would have thought those two sides would have already negotiated that even before anyone could say anything to say, Hey, if he wants to come here, here's what we'll give you. Okay. Yeah. We're good. Either that deal has been worked out already and they're waiting for after the draft to do this, which I could totally see. And it may be a situation where on draft day, maybe it's been agreed to that there's a certain round pick, a second round, a third round, a first round pick, whatever it might be. But it might be a situation where maybe the Packers see someone's dropped in this draft and goes, hey, get us into that pick and we'll make the Rodgers trade. You know, we give up something on the backside or we'll give you something else so that you can give up something to move up five spots and then we'll pick that pick. Yeah. I can see that. I haven't heard that from anybody else. I'm just kind of putting that out there in my own thought process. Sure. Because I can't think that both these teams were dumb enough to not have a deal or at least the parameters of a deal in place. But now I'm just not so sure that that's, that's what I kind of initially thought. Now I'm not sure that these two teams know what the fuck they're doing at all right now. I, I, it goes through this process in my brain of how are we getting better today? And if I'm the Packers and I'm moving on, I got to get Jordan Love ready. I need all this, all the obstacles out of the way. I need to know what's coming in. And if I'm the Jets and I'm bringing Aaron Rodgers in, which I think is a phenomenal idea for the Jets. Okay. Football-wise. That's a Super Bowl team with Aaron Rodgers. Some people are going to think I'm crazy, but that is a great, great team with the one situation where you just don't have the one piece. Now, one piece happens to be a quarterback. Aaron Rodgers puts two touchdowns on the board every week. Okay. And that's enough with that team additional to be the competitive in every single game, no matter who you're playing. Mm-hmm. they got a phenomenal defense. they got phenomenal young players. Great coach. Robert Sala is a great coach. They're one of those two teams that I'm looking at going, um, um, teams that can make the leap, the Jets are one of them. The Jets and the Lions are the two teams I think are making the leap. And if you add a franchise quarterback, even if it's just for two seasons with Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. you're a contender today. Okay. Hard because you're in the same conference with Patrick Mahomes and Joe mm-hmm. Burrow and Lamar Jackson if he goes back to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. You're in the same division with Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. I get it. But that's what the Jets need. So you'd think they quit fucking around and get this thing done. 
So part of me is wondering if it's more of a Green Bay Packers issue. I tend to think so. Than it is a New York Jets, just because the Packers are coming off two generational franchise quarterbacks, essentially, between Favre really? and Rodgers. And there's been very little need to figure out interim shit and have somebody come in, you know, whether Jordan is the, the, the next true option for the Packers, I don't know, but I really kind of wonder if it's kind of um, someone, you know, the Packers organization essentially flailing around in the dark, not really understanding what the marketplace is and how it looks. Huh? relative to trading a franchise quarterback or letting a franchise quarterback kind of leave because they haven't had to do it for what, 10 years. Yeah, they have. It's been quite a while. I mean, you look at, I mean, the Packers haven't had a quarterback except for Rodgers and Favre since the 1990s. The Jets right. haven't had a franchise quarterback in, well, seemingly seventies. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, this is Joe Namath. Um, I mean, this is a team that played well with Chad Pennington, a quarterback at one point. I think that the Packers are kind of worried of the situation of saying, well, I think it's hard to move on. Mm. I think they're worried about their fan base things. Their fan base is fine with it. You don't know if you have a good quarterback in Jordan. They don't. Even in that building, they don't know. No. But even if Jordan Love is Patrick Mahomes, which, I mean, he's not. But if he is, you got to know right now because he's going into the last year of his contract. You fucked around for three years. He's been on the bench three years. I got to know. I got to know right now. Yeah. So let's get this deal. Let me get some pieces, and let's just finalize the whole thing. Let me get the problem out the door. Let me figure out if this kid is it. Because if this kid's not it, I got to go play a season with him Figure this out during this season, and then let me look at next year. Yeah. And do I want to go get one of these free agents, or do I want to go to next year's draft? I mean, that's the thing. I I don't know what the, the – and it isn't like they can get anything for Jordan Love or trade right now. No. I mean, he hasn't worked anything right now. No. Uh, so I, I, I find the whole thing interesting. Um, I don't like – Rodgers anymore. I used to be a fan of his. I still think he is the most skilled quarterback I've ever seen. Okay. Because of his football playing skills and playing the position of quarterback, he is the most skilled quarterback I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. I think he gets himself, gets in his own self's way quite a bit. Okay. And I think his two off seasons have shown that. This year and last year especially have shown that. That he also thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. And granted, he went to Cal, but it doesn't make him that fucking smart. Yeah, no, he's very much that uh, privileged, petulant child scenario. Yeah, I I get it, but I, at the same time, again, I if I'm either side, I want that deal done. Yeah, and I do think you're right. I think the Packers are the one holding it up. That's all said and done. The Jets okay. would love to have it done right now. They can go into the draft and go, okay, what pieces do we need to add? Right. I got to have a lot of picks. We got to maximize them and let's get him in here. 
with our young receivers. And do we need to make this deal for Odell Beckham or not? Because the Jets are going to look at Odell Beckham. Well, everyone's looking at Odell because he's still just kind of floating around out there. I still think he's the Dallas Cowboy when it's all said and done. I know that they signed some other people. I still think Odell Beckham's going to be a Dallas Cowboy. I think it happens. You know where I think he'd be great to go sign for a one-year deal? Where's that? Kansas City. That would be so much fun. Oh, my God. You put him on the field with Travis Kelsey? And you can't double anybody. can't double anybody. And you can move him around anywhere. That would be so much fun. You think Tyreek Hill is good? I mean, imagine guys not quite as fast as Tyreek Hill, but with much better hands. Much better hands. I mean, maybe Instead the best of it just hitting the hands and it bouncing out. And I know there's talks of DeAndre Hopkins, but you got to give up a lot to get DeAndre Hopkins. You just got to pay back. Yeah. So I think that what Beckham ought to do, I was talking about that with, with Tyler on, on his podcast this week, was I said he should pull Darrell Rivas. He should never sign a long-term contract. He should sign one and two-year deals and move yeah. around. Do what Darrell Rivas and Deion Sanders and a couple others at the end of their career, he will get paid a ton of money. Yeah. But on himself, he's so good. We saw how good he was in the Super Bowl. I mean, he almost carried, I mean, he carried the Rams to where they beat, they won that game. And then he got yeah. hurt in the middle of the game. I mean, he, yep. that game's not close if he stays in that game. Yeah, and no. He carried that team, and he carried a team to the playoffs. That's fair. He's not the head case people think he is. Give me the okay. talent. Give me the talent. And, and and if you're the Jets and you can make this deal for Rodgers and then you can make the cap work and get back them, oh, my God. I mean, they might turn into one of the two or three favorites in the AFC. Because mm. their defense is better. Their defense is just better than everybody else. In that, and their defense is as good as, ball, as, as, good as Buffalo's. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking of the personality mesh because you still have to have that. Yeah, but I think in your, I think New York will handle that for them. Yeah, fair. So, all right, we hit a lot of subjects. We did. We did a lot, real quickly. So, appreciate it. I always love having you back. I'm glad to be back here after a couple of weeks off. Thanks for doing this. Sorry, I've been a little bit of radio silence for a few days, but I've been trying to. We have one last thing we do have to do this week, though. We didn't really explain it a couple of weeks ago, but we've, you know, Coach Bo is a free agent. Everything's packed up. It's all put away. And I'm a full-on free agent. And okay. what I mean by that is I am no longer a New Orleans Saints fan. I have come to the bridge that I may not cross. That bridge is called Derek Carr. And so I, I set up some parameters last time we talked about this. Mm-hmm. What we're going to do for the next few podcasts, just with you and I, only you and I will do this, but we got – it's me and Uncle Rico. We're not going to do it. Me and Peyton are going to do it. You and I. We're going to do this like The Bachelor. Who is, who wants me to be their fan? Who wants my fandom? Okay. okay. Now we've established there is already four teams. In I did not give roses to four teams. I'm going to rephrase it. It's been a couple of weeks. Um, the Dallas Cowboys, because they're the Dallas Cowboys. Cannot root for the Dallas Cowboys. Kansas City Chiefs, not because of who they are, but because I can't be a front runner. I just can't do that. You can't go from your longtime shitty team to Super Bowl champs. You just can't do that. That's a that tells me more about who you are as a person if you jump off that. Okay. Uh the San Francisco 49ers, because I just don't like their get down. 
I don't like what they're doing with the quarterback situation. I think that they're a fine team. Just not going to deal with it. Okay. And, of course, if I go from New Orleans, I can't go to Atlanta. So I had to win win anyways. Yeah, that was not going to happen. I mean, they were – they were never going to win. I mean, they were the ugliest duckling, duckling as far as I'm concerned. You can't go from your one team to their heated rival. So those are who have been eliminated thus far. And I'm not going to have a set um, schedule of how many teams will get eliminated weekly or for what reason. It will be more of this reason's popped up or this reason's popped up. But and, I presume we aren't revisiting this until after the draft, right? No, we're gonna we're gonna do a couple today. I'm eliminating okay. a couple of teams today. Okay. Yeah, I have a couple of teams that over the last couple of weeks I haven't looked at and said, I don't I can't get down with y'all. Okay. Okay. This whole Lamar Jackson thing has told me that I cannot get down with the Ravens. Understand. So the Ravens, no soup for you, no rose, you're out. The Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm out on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Good young team. Good young quarterback. I don't like him because he went to Clemson. But my biggest reason on this is not on the field. I'm not down with the Khan family. Tony Khan did not call me. He did not let me fix his wrestling wrestling programs. You're going back to AEW on this. If, until he calls me and makes me fix it, helps me fix his shit there, I'm not down with him. The Jaguars, you're out. Okay. They're frankly, they're lucky they weren't in the first cut. Okay. The next cut is the Green Bay Packers. And again, it has everything to do with how they're handling this Rogers stuff. Fair. I'm not Team Rogers, as I've made very clear. But I've made it very clear. I think they are the problem just as much as he is. I am out on Green Bay. Okay. Those are the only three I'm eliminating this week. Everybody else gets a rose. They can move the next week. Now, there's a little surprise in there. Some people will say, how come the commanders aren't gone yet? I am waiting to see who the new owner of the commanders is. Okay. You can see what might happen there. So... Give me the right circumstance, they might move up. But there are some teams that are teeter-tottering right now. The Commandos, the Raiders, Jimmy Garoppolo, really? Uh, you know that I had to make Uncle Rico feel so good. So uh, I'm teeter-tottering on them. And, of course, the Cleveland Browns, the Deshaun Watson stuff. Again, they, yeah. that, they're, they're, that's probably in the next cup. But I didn't want to go too deep in cuts this week. Okay. So that's my next three, but those are your teams that are teeter-tottering. And and I will say there's a couple trending up. You know, if you had to bet on this, of course the favorite's the Bengals because of my, my love and affection for Joe Burrow. That has to be the clubhouse fave. Yes. But don't be surprised if you see a a, a dark horse come from behind and win this. And I like how they get down. I like what I'm seeing. Don't be surprised if Detroit is in there. That fits what what you've said today. So, okay. Don't be surprised if Detroit's in there. 
Uh, don't be surprised if the Houston Texans are in there. Mm. Want to see what they do with this quarterback thing. Okay. Be surprised on that one. And don't be surprised if I actually take a New York team. I'm not going to say which one. Don't be surprised if it's a New York, which will be, it's off brand for me. I don't root for any New York teams. Correct. But I like a little bit about how both these teams get down. Okay. So there's some thoughts of where I'm at on the other end. So yeah, I've been getting asked by a couple of friends, like, well, which way are you going to go? Which way are you going to go? It's, it's going to be, or one friend was like, it's going to be the Bengals. Just tell us now. Like, I mean, yeah, that's the prohibitive favorite. But oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to acknowledge that it's not. I mean, that's my get down. Joe Burrow is my guy. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, if anyone can find one of those three foot Joe Burrow bobbleheads, <laughs> I really want one of those. If you find it, contact me. You can get me on Twitter at Coach Bono, at Coach Bono Show, or you can just go to oagks.com to contact us and send me an email. I want one. I want the three foot Joe Burrow. Um, yeah. I can see that in your basement. Yeah. We're totally redesigning the walls of the basement. I got stuff going to the framer next week. I got stuff that's going to come back. We've moved some stuff around. They're nice. a total, not a remodel, but replacement of items. And yeah. there's going to be a fire sale coming of some items from the collection. Okay. Items are coming out the collection to kind of make way for some others. Okay. So, I saw something for you a couple of days ago that I thought about buying just for you. And had it been signed, I would have bought it for you. Oh, oh that's God. sweet. Oh, damn it. So we'll talk offline about that. Okay. But I, I'm getting that taken care of. And when we're all set and done, it's going to be a few more weeks. I got stuff, I got stuff going in the framer next week. We're going to take pictures, throw it up on the Instagram and everything. And Awesome. Fine. So the the wall of baseballs is going to have jersey added up there. I'm actually headed to Houston in a couple of weekends to go to an autograph show. I'm gonna I get to meet my boy Alex Bregman. So you know I got a load of LSU stuff. So, uh, but so I got I, I, I get like eight things signed. Like nice. But yeah, and then I was able to um, get a couple of items in the last month or two. Some a couple of things went out. A couple of things came in. So. You know, sometimes trading is a good idea. If you got something you're looking for, if you're a collector by any means, you're looking for a piece, email me at coachbonoshow@gmail.com or oagks.com, and I'll, I'll I'll help you find. It. Oh, oh, nowhere's to go. I can find about anything. I have something I'm saving up for that I'm hopefully going to find at the national. I'm going to the national. Yeah, we're going to go. I think me and Peyton are going to go. If not, I don't think Peyton's going for a couple days at least. And I'm going to go look for something really specific. Okay. That's probably the only place I'm going to find it. And we're going to do some stuff there. We might even record some video stuff there, too. That's going to be, it's going to be cool. Yeah. So that's some of the announcements coming up. We're going to be getting a Coach Bono's YouTube channel at some point this summer. So we won't be putting the recordings of this out on the YouTube. But it'll be more about, like, sharing ideas. I don't think we really want this going on YouTube. <laughs> I mean, you're in here naked. I mean, I'm in here naked sometimes. Good Those grief. are jokes, folks. Those are jokes. Don't nobody call my wife and say, 
Bozo and them naked without. No, neither of us are. Because Ellen's not naked either. So no, she's wearing a nice Kansas hoodie. I got a Red Sox pullover on. You know, that could be our code. (laughs) Hilarious. All right. Anyway, um, I want to also. I want to really shout out Tyler Jones. Uh, Download the um, the TuneIn app. Check it out over there. Eventually, you may see some of our content get over there as well in the next few months as we get moving with Studio Soapbox and everything we're doing there. So, um, E, thank you as always for coming on today. I certainly appreciate it. So glad to talk to you again. Yeah. Always fun. And uh, I want to thank Tyler Jones, everybody at Studio Soapbox, for all they do behind the scenes. Most importantly, I want to thank you, the listener. Don't forget to rate us and reviews. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts, we appreciate every five star review. So until next time, I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. Have a great weekend. Remember, your time tokens are non-refundable. Take care, everybody.